Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so we're going to start jumping into it. So if you could, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some. So if the ushers could come. So if you want a Bible, you can make it your own, or you could use it for just this morning if that's all you need. Um, And of course, if you don't know this, uh, you have the magical tool from God probably in your pocket or your purse. It's called a phone, and there's apps for Bibles all the time. So that way you have the Word of God with you all the time. When uh, I visited a church one time, uh, it was in high school, and some friends invited me to come with them. And so I'd gone for a few times, and they had communion. If you don't know what communion is, it's where you take, uh, in in remembrance, you take the bread, which was broken for us, which symbolizes Christ's body broken, and his blood, which was shed for us, and that would be the wine. And so I was at this church. And my friends were there, and they made it very clear from up front, if, this, if you're not part of our church, you can't take communion. And so I heard that, and I, was, I didn't know anything about theology or the Bible. I was just, something was stirring in my heart. And so when they said that, I was like, oh, really? Because that's my personality. Like, you told me I can't do something? Oh, it's on. And so everybody's walking up, and I was like, well, here I go. And I just walked right up and took it, yeah. <laughs> took the communion, the whole thing, because something like made me really angry inside because I felt left out. I felt like I was not included, not invited in. Now, this church had invited me. They'd taken care of me. So there's, there's more behind the scenes. There was a reason for it. But the problem is, is what was going on inside of me. What was going on inside of me is that I felt on the outside. And so if anything emphasizes that or anything touches that, then I have a knee-jerk response, which is like, oh, really? It's on. Other people might just shrink down and go, oh, I'm not included and walk out. We all have different ways that we respond to this. But it's something we all struggle with because none of us really feel clean enough. We don't feel worthy enough. And when I came into this church, and it, it, was, a, it was a holy place, and I, I, I don't know if I felt its holiness, but I understood that this was set aside for him. It was his temple. And yet I felt like I wasn't included in that. You know what I mean? We all know what it feels like to some degree. In fact, now uh, we found new ways to pull that insecurity out of us. We have social media. And it's the worst for kids, although it's horrible for adults well, because you're looking there, you're like, oh, look what's going on with this person's life, and look what's going on over here, and wait, why wasn't I invited to that? And why, why am I not included? Wait, those are my friends. Why am I not in that picture? And then something rises up, because you assume the worst. You don't only assume the worst of your friends, but more so, we assume the worst of ourselves. What's wrong with me that I wasn't invited into that? I have a friend uh, that is a believer now, and 
he wasn't in high school, so, and he's old. I won't say how old he was, because then you may go, that's my age. But he's, his name's Rick, and he went back to his high school reunion, and he's, and when I, when we were walking alongside each other a lot, he'd only become a follower of Jesus for about three years or so, and everything radically changed. His life was really about business and golf, and things began to change. So he goes to his high school reunion, uh, and he sees one of his friends who he knew was a Christian at that time, because when you're in high school, you just kind of know who the weirdos are. And so he knew that this guy was a Christian, and it was one of his best friends. So they're talking and hanging out, and they're laughing, and, but something had been bothering him for a long time. And he said, you know what, Dan, why didn't you invite me to church with you when you're in high school? Oh, yeah, Rick, Rick. No, no, no. No, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm following the Lord now, but I just, I just had my life turned around. Why didn't you invite me then? And it started, like, anger started to fly out of Rick. And he just, like, Dan could tell he was pissed. He was angry. He was furious because it started rising up because he felt on the outside. But even more so, he knew he'd missed out. And he basically was saying to Dan, why was I so unworthy for you to invite me? Was I that bad of a kid? Was I that bad that you didn't think that I could be invited? They didn't have social media back then, but basically he had the same response. Why am I left out? Why didn't you bring me? We all know what that's like. And so you're thinking that I'm going to head in this direction. Where, so you need to invite everybody. But there's this fear inside of us, isn't it? I have it. Why don't I, why am I like Dan? Why don't I want to invite people? Because as we've been talking about for the past several weeks in this whole series about investing and inviting, there's something inside of us where we've seen it done wrong so many times that we just don't want to do it because we don't want to mess it up. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or we don't want them to reject us because if we invite them, and they say no, then we feel horrible. I had a friend, good friend, and uh, I hadn't seen him in a while. And I said, hey, man, I was joking with him because he just moved back into town. I said, hey, I got your seat all saved for you. It's all ready to go. I put a little piece of paper with your name on it right there. And I said, when you come? And he goes, don't hold your breath, and walked away. And I was like, oh, yeah, that really encouraged me to invite someone else again. I don't know what's going on in his life, but those kind of experiences make us not want to reach out to invite to church or to a small group or even to share our faith. But we have to remember. We have to remember this oxygen that God has given us, and it's meant to be shared. So it is awkward. It is weird. We are afraid. But this is good news. So how do we do this? How do, we, how do we share this? So my friend uh, told me a while ago, uh, he called me up and he said, hey, ma'am, I just came up with something brilliant. Uh, some of you know him, it's Buzzy Ennis, and he's a pastor. And so a lot of times we work together on the sermons and talk through things because he's smarter than I am. And so he's very artistic, um, he, he's a writer as well, and he said, I wrote something down, and it's so good. 
He never says this. He's not a bragger. And even as he was saying, he wasn't bragging like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. I'm awesome. He just realized the content of what he wrote, and it was so perfect. And when he read it, I said, oh, that's good. I go, I am stealing that. He goes, you can steal any of it. I'm not that smart. Take it. And so it's on the top of our website because I think it encapsulates what branches is supposed to be about what the church is supposed to be about, what my friend Rick wanted, what I wanted. This is what he wrote. We embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hopes of them reaching holy ground. Well, that's good, isn't it? I told you. But there was one thing I changed at the end. And he gave me an artistic license to do that. And I always have to read it because in my, in my heart, what I want to say, what comes natural to me is say, we embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hopes of leading them to holy ground. See, that's not our job. That's not our role. We can't lead anybody anywhere. All we can do is invite them in and give them the opportunity but they have to make their decision on, the own, on their own. And the reason that we feel so uncomfortable with evangelism or, or inviting people is because we think, well, we need to lead them there. And if they don't arrive there, it's our fault. There must be something wrong with us. But that's not our job. Our job is to embrace them. That's the verb. When, when we invite people, there's this fear that they're going to be offended, that some, someone's going to mess it up. Oh, I know, I know that when you invite someone and they come here, you're thinking, Boog, or if it's Ash, or if it's someone else teaching you, don't screw it up. They're here. Do, do one of those good ones. <laughs> I know. But I'm also telling you that I'm thinking the same thing about you. In fact, as I'm scanning here right now, I'm seeing someone that's very dear to me. Kind of making me tear up a little because I've known this guy since he was just out of high school. And he's, he's here for, now you're all going, who's got, who's got, who's got? I'm not going to tell you, but I'm hoping you don't screw it up. I'm hoping that he feels embraced. I'm hoping that the sound works. I'm hoping the parking's good. I'm hoping the donuts don't stink. I'm hoping that the coffee's just perfectly made. I'm hoping everything is perfect because I want them, like that's for some reason going to expose them to the oxygen of God. But we all do that. Just remember, the only responsibility we have to do is to embrace them. And that's what an invitation is. We're letting them know, as Paul said. Paul said this about the people that he walked with in Thessalonica. He said, you know how we were. Another way to say, say that is, you know how we do? We cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. As we've talked about for the past few weeks, those who are already your friends, who you care about, your family, you're already invested in them. Invite them into your life. And if this community of faith, if your midweek women's study or men's study or your trip or whatever, if it's part of your life, then invite them in. That doesn't mean they're going to say yes, and it's not your responsibility to talk them into it, but let them know they're invited. Let them know they're embraced. That's what embraced means. 
It doesn't mean, okay, we embrace everyone. You come in here, we're gonna hug you. That's not, we're not talking about hugging here. Not a bad thing, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about inviting them into our lives. That's what Rick was talking about with Dan. Why didn't you invite me into your life? This was a huge part of your life. Why didn't you include me or at least give me the opportunity to come? And here's the crazy thing about invitations because you always need some stats to think like, okay, is this, is there, this doesn't work. Well, Lifeway Research did this study in 2010 and it says that 67% say that an invitation from a church-going family member, so if they're your family and you invite them, you have a 67% success rate. Really? I don't know, because I don't have any family that lives around here, so I can't invite them. But I remember sitting with my dad, and I remember that awkward conversation. 63% say an invitation from a church-going friend or neighbor would persuade them to attend. That means it's in their head. Well, maybe that's all we're responsible for, <laughs> okay? That's all we're responsible for. And Jesus has shown us how this works. He's walked us through this. He's modeled for us. He's shown us the chain reaction that can happen when we invite. So with your Bibles, let's open up to Luke chapter 5. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, what you're missing here is context, and it's the few verses before this, because Levi is a tax collector, and Jesus is walking by, and Jesus throws out an invitation. I guess they had tax collector booths, and I can't help but thinking it's fully like, Charlie Brown and Lucy with that little booth that they had. And so he's in this booth, and Jesus invites him. And he says, come follow me. And then Levi just gets up and starts following him. So there has to be more in the background, but we don't hear about it. But maybe not much. And so something's happening here. And for, some, for you to understand what just happened, you have to understand tax collectors. Because today, you're like, oh, you work for the IRS? What's that like? There's no, there's no judgment. There's no opinion. But talk about not being embraced. Talk about not being invited. Let me tell you what the Talmud says. The Talmud is basically a Jewish rule book. Uh, it's how the people, the leaders, interpreted what the Old Testament taught. So they'd have the scriptures, and the Talmud was... The, the rabbis and the scholars saying, well, this is what it means, and kind of giving rules and laws. So when you hear about all these laws and rules they had to follow, a lot of them came from the Talmud. So this is what the Talmud said. It said um, uh, that you could look down on tax collectors because it gave Jews permissions to lie to murderers. So you were given permission. You can lie. If someone murdered, you could just lie to them. Um, if someone was a thief... You could lie to them. Or if they were a tax collector, you could lie to them too. That's how they were viewed. So here Jesus is walking by and he throws an invitation out to Levi. How many invitations do you think Levi got to? Anything. See, because the tax collectors, they betrayed all their people. The invading Roman Empire comes in the invaders and these tax collectors were Jewish 
and by the authority given to them that they requested from the Roman government, they could collect the taxes and anything else they wanted. So that because of our human heart, just like you would do most likely if you were in that, you'd be really tempted and probably follow through with taking a little bit extra. You know how when you're driving and you see the police like handing out tickets, you're like, oh, they're just doing that. They're trying to get money. Take that to the one hundred and millionth. That's not a real number, is it? It's a lot. Just multiply that by a lot. And that was, that was the opinion and the judgment of the people. They assume the worst. By the way, the police aren't trying to find a way to give you extra tickets. But we assume the worst, don't we? So they assume the worst of tax collectors. So by Jesus even making eye contact with this man, the holy man, everybody knew him to be, not everybody knew him to be the Messiah. But they knew he was a big deal. They knew that he was holy. And Jesus looks at Levi and invites him. And so something happens inside of Levi. We don't know if he makes a full decision at that moment. We don't know what kind of conversations they had. We don't know any background. But something happens. And what does Levi do? He holds a party. Make it sound really, oh, great banquet. It's meaning there was, he threw a big party. He had a lot of money. And so he brought a lot of food and a lot of drinks and invited everybody over. And why? So that they could meet Jesus. That's what banquet for Jesus. He brought them all, invited everyone so they could see Jesus. Now, who's he going to invite? It's not like he hangs out with the crew. So all the other tax collectors, the prostitutes, everyone else that has been rejected, they're invited. What made Levi think he could do that? Because he knew he was invited. He knew he was invited, so then he could invite others. And every time I think about this, I, I, I remember when we first started Branches, and this cool little thing happened where at this one bar, uh, one guy started coming to the church, and then, uh, then like in the next couple weeks, then another person on the bar stool next to him, he started inviting. Then that guy invited his wife. I think she was at one of the bar stools. I even went to the place where it was with the bar stools. And then they invited... Pretty soon, the whole, the whole line of barstools, they were all coming to church. How? Why would they come? I mean, they spent a lot of time. I mean, not like, oh, I went to the bar. I mean, like, this was like cheers. Da, 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 da. They're there every day, and they stay till it closes. And they were probably not in a great condition when they left, but they felt comfortable. Why? Because the first guy felt comfortable. You? You? Well, if you could go, I can go. Sure. I can't help but think that's what's happening. It's a little like chain reaction. It's a little like snowball rolling down the hill. And so later in Luke, we see the snowball starting to take effect here. Because Jesus shares this story of two men. One a Pharisee, which means a, a very righteous religious leader. One of the guys that makes the laws, takes care of the laws, makes sure everyone's following the laws. And a tax collector. And Jesus is painting this picture. And I can't help but think that the person that he's painting, the tax collector he's painting, was one of the people that Levi invited. Makes sense, doesn't it? And so he says that these, these two men, they went up to the temple to pray, the holy place. They went up to the holy place where God resides. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you 
that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. The beauty of this is you can see this Pharisee. He's not even looking up. His eyes aren't, he doesn't know to whom he's praying. He's looking to his side. He's looking and and comparing himself. He's missing the boat here, isn't he? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. You see, those are the things you're supposed to do. In fact, even being in the temple, they'd have four times a day where you're supposed to go and pray. And so all the throngs of people would come in. And of course, this Pharisee never missed. He had to keep up the image. He had to keep up his identity. He had to do the right thing. And so he throws in as he's talking to God, but he's not even looking at God, is he? He's looking to the side at everybody else. All the Democrats, all the Republicans, all the whatever it is that you think, mm-hmm, they're there. Are we looking here or are we looking here? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. What the tax collector, he stood at a distance. We always wrestle with how to do the lighting in here. Um, and there have been no shortage of opinions on how we should do it. But I'll tell you what, there are people that come in that wish it was a lot darker, like this tax collector. He's coming in, it's, he, he wants it to be crowded. He wants a lot of people there so nobody recognizes him because he's not supposed to be here, is he? But something's going on in his heart. And so he's coming in and he's looking for the darkest place in the room so he can kind of just be there in the shadows. He would not even look up to heaven. He didn't look to the sides, but he didn't even feel worthy to stand before God because he knew what his ledger looked like. He was an accountant. He's a tax collector. And he knew that he was in the red in his life. He knew that he was bankrupt. And he knew what he had done. He knew all the decisions he had made, all the way he had treated people. But he beat his breast in speaking to God alone. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And there's so much to pull from this passage, but what I want us to see here is that the tax collector came. He felt permission for some reason. Someone had cracked the door in his life that he felt he could come. And as he enters in, Jesus says that this man went home justified before God. I could just picture God, and even Jesus is telling this story with his eyes glistening. I'm not that good of a poet to come up with that on my own. Someone wrote that, and I thought that was so beautiful. God's eyes glistening listening and so the rumors are starting to spread of tax collectors being invited and so they're being invited and they're starting to invite others and then lives are starting to change people are starting to come into God's presence face to face and they're leaving changed there's another man Zacchaeus and he goes looking for Jesus Jesus doesn't walk by and see him in a tax booth. Zacchaeus goes looking for him. He hears about this Jesus coming. Why is Zacchaeus this other tax collector? 
Why is he coming looking for Jesus? I mean, he knows how everybody else treats him. Why does he think that Jesus is going to be any different? Because the rumors have started to spread. I hope there's rumors about us in this community. I hope all of the churches that there's, churches that there's rumors of us inviting anyone and everyone. Because Zacchaeus feels permission. He was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. So the rumors have started going up the hierarchy to the top of the top, to Zacchaeus, one of the richest. And to get up to there, you gotta really have your ledger in the red. You have had to do some serious betrayal to get to that position. But he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He could not see over the crowd. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. How's that for an invitation? Hey, you, Zacchaeus, are inviting me to your house. Congratulations. That is the epitome of, it doesn't sound familiar to us. We're like, what a mooch. But you need to understand that that is actually a symbol of saying, look, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm not withholding anything from you. I want everyone to see that you are embraced. I want everyone that looks up to me to see me reach to you and so them to realize that that's what they're supposed to do because that's what you do. When Jesus originally called Levi in the beginning and said, follow me, that's what it meant. Do what I do the way I do it. So when we talk about investing and inviting, there has to come that level of invitation. There comes that step. Now imagine Levi... What made him think it, that he was qualified to do this? I mean, think about it. What made him think that he was qualified to invite anyone? He has such limited time with Jesus, yet Levi is inviting all these people to his house to this party. Did he go through starting point? Did he go through that Bible study? Has he gone to a men's group? Has he even been to temple yet? Has he been to church? Has he come and worship? Has he even read the scriptures in the past however long? Does he work in children's ministry? Does he tow the trailer? Has he done anything that qualifies him to invite someone else? Does he have this all figured out? What does he say to them? I'd like to sit down with all of you tax collector friends of mine. Let's go through this because now I'm going to invite you to this. No. It's probably so simple. He just does all that he can. He brings to the table all that he has. He works with what he has. Something's different. Why don't you come and see this? Remember the woman, the woman at the well? She's with Jesus, and then he leaves, and she doesn't have all the answers, but she runs back to town, and she says, there was this man. He answered. He knew everything about me, answered every question. Could this be the Messiah? She invited everybody with a question. And you know what? They came. <laughs> I could see Levi doing the same thing. He doesn't have all the answers. He's just, something's going on, and I want you to see him. I want you to meet him. Well, how do you know? I don't know, <laughs> but something is going on. There's, there's life here. I don't know how he said it. <laughs> Or maybe he bribed him. Hey, you know what? Come on over. It's going to be great food. I got a friend there I want you to meet. And he's thinking, I hope 
I hope Jesus doesn't screw this up. I don't know him that well. I hope he doesn't drink too much. I hope he doesn't say something stupid. I hope he doesn't make, say, oh, tax collectors. I hope he doesn't blow it. Hope he doesn't let them down. Of course he was thinking all those things. He's taking a risk here. This is outside of his flow of life. But he does it. I want you to think through, because I need to think through, and I need to think it through so much that I wrote it down. You know me, I, I just kind of go off the cuff most of the time, and, but I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess it up for you, and I don't want to mess it up for me. So what do we do with this? So this is what I wrote. If you aren't doing the invitation out of love for the people you invite, don't invite them. You invite people because you love them, because you know them. I know there's a place for inviting perfect strangers. If you have that gift, and it is a spiritual gift, some of you have the gift of evangelism. You can talk to people you don't know and you don't come across like a weirdo. There are very few of you in here that have that gift, and you're only gonna know that gift if you try it. But for most of us, like me, we don't have that gift. So we have our hands full. Uh, well, what's the branch of strategy for evangelism? How are you going? Our strategy is so simple. Invest and invite. That's it. You're not going to be taken through a class on it. We don't have a six-week course. We don't have a book we hand you. There's people you know and you love. You're invested in their lives. You don't invest in their lives to invite them. You're already invested. You've got your hands full. But eventually we need to get to some point, to some place where we invite them. You'll know when the time's right. You'll know the circumstance that fits them to invite them to. But we have to make that step. But do it because you love them. There will come a time when it's right to invite them to church or to some other intersection of faith in your life. Don't be discouraged if they say no. And don't take it personally if they say yes, but then they never show. You may need to be very patient. It may take months. It may take years. It may never happen. They may never come. But we continue to pray for them. Our friends, our family, they need us to step out. They need us to do that. It changed my whole life. And it wasn't just one person. I had my friends invite me to that one church where they wouldn't let me take communion. I had another friend invited me to a youth group. Um, I had people praying for me. I found out later that my uncles and aunts were praying for me. They never invited me to anything. They'd make me go with them to church, but then they'd just drop me off and they'd go because when I went up to visit them. But all of those things added up. What part are we going to play in somebody's life? It's so cool to look around here and see the flow of invitation. What if you hadn't been invited? But you're here, so you have. So who are you going to invite? As Kim said, next week is Easter. It's kind of expected that you're supposed to invite people to Easter. It's weird if you know some well and you know they're not going anywhere that you don't invite them. It's just kind of weird. It's like if you're at your house and you invite everybody over for food and you're out in the front yard and you invite everyone but the one neighbor, right? Or it's like when you go on social media and you see, whoa, 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 how'd I miss out? Easter's like, it's easy. But maybe that's not the right one for whoever it is that's your family or your friends. Pray through this. Pray for them more than anything. 
I want to close with this. My daughter wanted to stay in here. She was petrified because this is her fish. This is Pepito. My kids are in dual immersion, so they speak Spanish. So someone shared this with me. I thought it was so beautiful. They said that church can sometimes be like this fishbowl, right? It wasn't in the beginning, but at some point or another, we start to put the walls out, and then we even put the top on, and, and instead we worry about the color of the rocks, and I don't even know what this thing is. Oh, it's a fake fish thing. And then we, well, it's got to be in the right place, and let's make sure that the tree is in the right place, and how's, how's the music in there? How's the lighting? How's the kids' ministry? How's the parking? Do we have good graphics? And so we get so caught up in this that we forget what we're about. But see, what we're about are these little fish, right? See, I had a little, uh, I had a cool little thing to scoop them up in, but I don't anymore. So you see this fish, you're worried, aren't you? We're so concerned with what's happening here that we don't think about the fish that are on the outside. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And this fish, don't worry, we practice this. <laughs> and here at this church, we believe in the resurrection. <laughs> Boom! Now, when he was out, I could hear the audible gasp. In fact, I know that my daughter is over there right now going, you better not kill Pepito. And we're so concerned about that fish. But I want you to see that there's people that are outside of the water. They don't know, like Levi, they don't know about the water of life. And they need someone to invite them in. They may decide not to stay. That's their choice. They may decide never to come. But this is what we're about. This is what Christ has called us to. He's modeled it for us. Hey, Levi, come follow me. And then Levi figured out, hey, guys, I'm throwing a party. Come, I want you to meet this guy. And then something happened, and the people that were invited somehow felt permission to come into the Holy of Holies, into the temple, walk in, and to have their life changed. And then the word started to spread, and then the worst of the worst, Zacchaeus, comes down. And then when he comes down, his life is changed. Because if you know the story of Zacchaeus, everyone's like, how dare you, Jesus, reach out? Do you know who this is? And Zacchaeus looks around, and there's a miracle that happens. Because then he says, I'm going to give away my money to the poor and anyone else that I have wronged. Remember what Jesus said about money and the rich man? He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But here we have Zacchaeus entering the kingdom of God. Who are the people that you love outside that are just desperate for the oxygen of God's forgiveness? To know this story that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again so that we could have new life. That's what we're about. And here's the crazy thing. You never know what's going to happen to the person you invite. Levi. His name is also Matthew. So if you open up your Bibles and you go to the New Testament, the first book there, book of Matthew, from him because he wrote it down, 
He was one of the disciples. You never know. That's what we're about. That's what it means to invest and invite. So you've gone to the course. You've gone to the Branches course on evangelism. Congratulations. I didn't mean it to be a course, but we're here to invite. To invest and invite. I want to pray for us. I want to invite the worship team up. They're going to lead us. And may this, the songs that they lead us through, Tyler and the the crew always wrestle with the songs, which ones to choose, which ones not, because these songs are just prayers. They're prayers. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Could you stand with me, please? Father, you are good, and we want people to know that goodness. And we are so afraid of messing it up, and we're so afraid of others messing it up, and we get so caught up in the things that really aren't that important. But more than anything, Lord, we want people to be washed by you, to be able to, to know that water that never runs out. We want them to know new life, and we want it to, Lord. So continue to change us from the inside out. And let us see ourselves the way that you see us, pure and holy because we belong to you. Not because of what we've done or what we're going to do, but because of who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.